0: We had baseball playoffs, we've had UTEP coaches shows, we've had UTEP games, you know, we had those Wednesday games, so I'm excited about the full show today. I am really excited about the full show, because remember, we won't be full three hours until probably, well, I mean, you know, as well as I do that, uh, usually for us, the full three hour show for like the whole week is probably going to be... um. Like never. I mean, the only time we're ever three hours is if the is if the Chihuahuas play uh, on the West Coast, because we have Thursday night football through the end of the year and Monday night football through the end of the year. That cuts the show off forty five minutes early. And then uh, January uh, and February and March, we've got college hoops. That usually will cut the show off at least 30 minutes one of those days. We have the coaches show another day. So, yeah, I'm excited. The rare three-hour edition of Sports Talk is back today. Adrian's looking dapper in his black 600 ESPN El Paso polo and very nicely done after another busy night of minor talk after UTEP's first basketball game where they Scored 120 points. That was the good. As a Jets fan, I'm not happy about last night. Another miserable showing. From Zach Wilson. Now, I don't think it's all Zach Wilson's fault like the New York sports uh, radio shows are giving. I mean, look, their offensive line is gone awful. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers tries to come back, he might he might injure himself the first series when he comes back from that Achilles because that line is not gonna protect him at all. And that's part of the issue I have right now with the Jets is as bad as Zach Wilson is, and as bad as that offense is, I mean, God, that offensive line is just it's just garbage garbage so jets looked horrible yesterday against the chargers good for the la chargers they played well and both teams are now four and four which gets us through another week of the nfl and we've got a lot more action to talk about Uh, the utep win over mcmurray um so it's weird like uh, first off we can't hype up this team after beating McMurray, okay? That's that's first things first. We can't. It's not fair because, you know, New Mexico State got beat by 40, but they played Kentucky at Rupp, and they were down by only eight at halftime before things unraveled. So you look at the difference between the two teams. One team wins by nearly 50. The other loses by 40. But the team that wins by 50 plays at home against a uh, – what were they a Division Two team? Is that what McMurray Division is? Three, Division yeah. Three. And uh, the other team goes and plays, uh, you know, Kentucky at Rupp. There's a big difference between the two clubs. But I will say this, okay? Normally, when Utah plays a school like this, they win eighty to sixty-two, or you know, seventy-six to fifty-three. I mean, they'll win by twenty-plus, but they don't score a hundred. They don't. They don't just keep their foot on the pedal, and they definitely don't show you all the flash that you saw last night. And I'll be honest, minor basketball fans really want a winner. But you know what else they want? They want to get excited. I mean, they want a team that's not going to play boring basketball, that's going to lull them to sleep and frustrate the fans. They want a little showboat, a little razzle-dazzle, some dunks here and there, and a team that uh, could, could light up the scoreboard. So the fact that they went out last night and scored 120 points, one short of the school record, I don't care if they played a high school team. Good for them. I mean... That's ultimately what you want. Does this mean UTEP's going to win close to 20 games? No, it doesn't mean that. I don't know what they're going to do. I have no. Until this team plays real opponents, I can't tell you what this basketball team's going to do. But you know what they did last night? They blew out a team they should blow out. They had fun in the process doing it, and they look a lot different than the team that you watched last season. What that translates to by March, I couldn't tell you. But at least for one night, last night, against an inferior opponent, the Miners did what they should do, and that's destroy a club like McMurray.
1: So, I feel like the only things you should take away from these early season matchups that mean nothing at the end of the year uh, are the newcomers and how they look early on into the season and which guys will actually play. I think last night, despite the opponent, uh, we realized that it will be David Terrell earning minutes throughout the season. And I think he'll have raw moments where he looks like a freshman, like a true freshman that he is. But the Mansfield Summit graduate was impressive yesterday in his opener. And I think that's one of the things you could take away with, along with some of the other freshmen, like Elijah Jones, who was maybe the highlight in terms of production, 19 points on 8 of 8 scoring, including a trio of triples. I mean, he actually had a three-point shot last night, uh, and his shots were falling. I mean, it felt like everything was falling that Elijah Jones has. But point is, he's available for four years. He's eligible for four seasons with the minors, despite being a mid-year transfer last year and uh, not earning any minutes out at East Carolina, which is why he got to preserve that extra year. Uh, I like to see the new faces. That's what I took away from yesterday, and I think they're a much more athletic bunch than they were last year.
0: And by the way, um, you know, I, I saw some of the comments made on, uh, you know, to 600 ESPN El Paso on uh, X or Twitter after the game. By the way, I still don't know what I want to call it. Like, I mean, some days I want to call it X, some days I want to call it Twitter. I sometimes just call it social media to take care of everything. So that way I don't have to worry about it. But regardless, Adrian, I saw somebody mentioning the fact that, um, and I think it was actually VIP lounge said, you know, um, do you think Golding feels his defense played acceptable the entire game? Was he okay with two technicals against a D3 school? We were beating handily that we often didn't get back on defense after a bucket. I mean, those are all valid points. You know, look, Just because they scored 120 and gave up 71... It's not all rosy. There are things they need to work on. The defense is one, that's for sure, um, and and other things that you know they that were on display yesterday. And, and you don't want to grab technical fouls. It's not Joe Golding. He's not the kind of coach that's just going to be getting teased left and right. He's, I think last year want to get teed up once in the entire I season? Think
1: so yeah, once, and it was pretty uncharacteristic for him to do that.
0: Yeah, so I don't think that's going to happen very often. But still, I mean, they did what they're supposed to do. I mean that's the bottom line and I don't know we can nitpick all we want about last night's game but I'd rather see a 120 71 win than a 80 to 57 victory let's put it that way
1: yeah I feel like people uh, are also forgetting when UTEP would have new teams they'd uh... In kind of recent years, they'd often struggle against these bye games or these early season games. I'll point out the 2019 season, they struggled against Eastern New Mexico, which didn't count, by the way, Steve. They only won uh, 66-59 at home, and that game was close. That was not too long ago either, and yeah, it was for a bad UTEP team under, uh, at the time, first-year head coach Rodney Terry. But nonetheless, they struggled against Eastern New Mexico, so when you could put up points like that, blow out an opponent like that like they did last night... It just uh it's a feel good game and it's for the fans. Look, like they do autographs after the game. They're uh high flying all over the place, doing stylistic dunks. It's for the fans. That's what last night was trying to be for, in my opinion. Do you
0: remember when Tony Barbie first got here, right? And he had a group that would like Randy Culpepper and and, and you know, that whole that whole group. There was Julian Stone, there was Randy Culpepper, um, there was also I'm trying to remember everybody on that team. I mean, the end Derek character was there, but um, they had just a, a fun roster of guys. They
1: had Stephon Jackson in one of those years. They he, did. He collided. Arnett Moultrie was yep. with them. Yep,
0: Arnett. That's right. Arnett Moultrie was another one. They McCulley. did. Um, yep. I'm almost positive was, uh, that's right, Gabe McCulley was on that team. Um, and the uh, I think, um, was Polk on that team as well?
1: Uh, yes, he was. Christian Polk. Christian right Polk. Here. Jeremy Williams, too. Yep.
0: Jeremy Williams. Look, what they, they dunked the basketball like crazy. Like, that was it was like muching Mem- Little Memphis, basically, is what they were. Because, you know, they got a lot of guys from Memphis, and uh, Barbie was with Cal before he came here, and he brought a different style. And you know what? It was exciting. It was fun. Fans would go to see what kind of dunk Randy Culpepper would have. Each game he was out there. Like, that was what it was. I mean, sometimes he would take off from the foul line and try to tomahawk one down your throat, and you realize the guy's like five ten, and he's jumping out of the building, dunking on you left and right. So you want to know something? I'd rather have that style. I really would. You know, if you ask me, if you're going to give up a couple of extra points, but you're going to you're going to be high flying, you're going to have fun in the process, a little showmanship, a little showboating, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Anything that'll get the, the, the crowd excited again, I mean, besides, besides just a win, you know, you're going to win the game, that's fine, but hey, just think a little different. Let's get let's get the city pumped up a little bit. Get them excited. Be be a little more free out there with the basketball.
1: You know, I noticed last night that they've got some fiery guys, and the fiery guys are starting to stack up because we know that Calvin Solomon had a little bit of fire to him. He's a little bit of an instigator, even though Jonathan Dosanjos is like the nicest guy behind closed doors and to the media. Uh, when he gets on the court, he talks smack, and other opponents will hear that. But the one guy, Steve, that stood out to me f- to take on this role, to take on more personality, and for fans to maybe, you know, be uh, uh, really excited about him is Zid Powell because he's an alpha and he won't let defenders touch him and he'll be in the defender's face on non-ball plays or, you know, off-ball plays or whatever it might be. He gets, point is, he gets in his defender's faces and he and he will uh, instigate and do whatever it takes uh, to win in the mind game. And I think UTEP needs that kind of stuff. They need the swagger. They need the moxie. They need the excitement. They need the high Flying and from at least one game, those are some early takeaways I have from this bunch that they're uh, they, they want to play a little bit more relaxed, they want to play more loose, but they also want to win games. You're right, you're absolutely right, and that's the
0: most important thing. It really is. Um, let's win games, but win it in an exciting fashion. Let's be uh, be a little different, you know, let, let them go out and run, have some fun doing it, and um. Ta- you know, was it Tay Hardy yesterday who was uh, doing a little uh, little showboating?
1: Well, Tay Hardy had a lot of different uh, behind the back passes. Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely fits that category.
0: I mean,. It doesn't bother me. Does it bother you?
1: No, not at all. And I heard people uh, on minor talk or comments or whatever that didn't uh, appreciate all of it. They were pointing out players like Calvin Solomon, saying that you know just two rebounds or you know giving up on defense. I'll say this: it's it's the Division Three opponent. Also, you got to look at this as players themselves and think what's their motivation. If they just came off a big storming dunk on yep. offense, yeah, sure. In a perfect world, you want them to get back on transition defense or on defense quickly, I should say. But at the same same time, What's the motivation behind it? It's a D3 school. You've got to motivate yourself, and it's hard sometimes when we're talking about a, a blowout victory like they had last night.
0: You know what they wanted? I'll tell you what they wanted. They wanted what um, St. Mary's did yesterday to Stanislaus State, okay?
1: What was that college again?
0: Stanislaus State.
1: Wait, that it can't be real. Like Santa Claus, but Santa Claus or what? that's it's, crazy.
0: It's the Stanislaus State Warriors. Wow. S T A N I S L A U S State Warriors Warriors.
1: I see this right now.
0: Final score of that game. One hundred seven to twenty eight. That's that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted.
1: Yes, that's what fans wanted.
0: I mean, listen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, say that that's not what they should go for. I'd want that too, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I would. I would want to invite uh, Stanislaw State here to El Paso. See yeah. how they like it here.
0: I'm with you. I agree with you. So maybe that's what they want. They want Stanislaus State and see that. Uh, you know, see that kind of an outcome. So 107-28, they nearly beat them by a hundred. That's amazing.
1: That's bad. I, you know what? Is, what is equally bad, Steve, is uh, I was on the, I was at the scores table last night, like picking out guys in my head and thinking I could score seven points on him for McMurray. I could score maybe eight. Maybe I can hang in a game uh, up to eleven. You know, I'd lose still, but I could maybe score some points against some of these guys.
0: And by the way, they only won. By 79 points. All oh, right. Man. There you go. Only. But they held. Here's the cool thing. They're up 50 to 11 at the half. They outscored Stanislaus State 57 17 in the second half. Wow. What a run. 107 28. What a final run. Score. All right. 505 6009, our telephone number as we kick it off here with you on a Tuesday edition of Sports Talk. Let's get right back to it. We got a busy show today. Busy 5 and 6 o'clock hour. Cade McConnell will be dropping by. Our. 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. He's even going to be with Bernie this week uh, picking games. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll do that right after we go to Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. Promise me for the rest of Center, we will lead every Sports Center off with the news that Brad Taylor was named 2023 mm. Minor League Baseball Executive of the Year. So congratulations to the senior vice president and general manager of the Chihuahuas, his 28th season in minor league baseball, 10th year in El Paso, about being named executive of the year. Brad Taylor getting it done. That is a terrific honor and super excited that he was able to share that with his wife and the Chihuahuas. Uh, staff in Vegas this week
1: yeah I'm so happy for him I'm happy that he was recognized and uh, so you know the the growth and the success of the Chihuahuas is thanks to a lot of people uh, within the Chihuahuas organization and Brad Taylor is one of the men uh, who steers the ship you know as far as uh, helping out in so many different areas for the El Paso Chihuahuas so for him to get this honor I I just think it's wonderful
0: I I agree with you so anyway Brad uh, you know, well deserved and uh, from Everybody here at uh, your uh, radio affiliates, uh, congratulations! I didn't see Hags in the picture. I wonder if Hags was even if he was on the trip to uh, to Vegas. He might only go to the winter meetings. That seems to be what what Tim is all about. You know, winter meetings usually is where we find him. But I did or he's see,
1: hibernating. One of the two
0: could be the case. That's uh, you know never. I, I think that's always could be a possibility. By the way, this is also uh, really interesting, Adrian. And that is, um, you know, I saw this comment from. Uh, Eric, the number four on the on, um, on social. It's hard to evaluate players when playing teams like McMurray. I don't disagree. And really, we might not get a full evaluation of the team until UCSB next Monday night. That might be, truthfully, the uh, the next game we get a good, good indication of what this team's going to be like.
1: So on the season right now, uh, UC Santa Barbara is currently ranked within the top 150. So this team on paper is better than UTEP going into Monday's matchup. So, yes, that's where I start evaluating things like, all right, how is this depth going to go up against quality opponents? You know, they're excited about throwing out 10 to 12 guys every single game well how does that depth stack up against uh, quality mid-major opponents like UC Santa Barbara at home and then they take it on the road And after next week they go to that SoCal challenge so they'll take on a Power 5 opponent so how does this team stack up against a Power 5 school like Cal granted uh, Cal isn't the uh, you know, the, the premier uh, Power 5 school and not even close to what Oregon is going to bring on December 9th next month yep. but still early test uh, to watch for and early examples of how we can kind of evaluate this team early on.
0: I agree. I do agree. So I'm, I'm I'm, with Eric and listen, again, it's not a matter of trying to overhype a team. It's just saying that if you score 120 points, we want to give you first impressions of what we've had a chance to see. Remember, we're not telling you this team is going to the NCAA tournament. We're not telling you this team is going to win 20 plus games. We're just giving you first impressions of watching this these newcomers again an inferior opponent. I need to reiterate that so people understand we're not trying to overhype the team. We're just telling you, you know what, they scored 120 points, and they've played a lot of D3 schools over the course of history. This one, however, was a team that they were able to run up and get to 120 on. That was it.
1: So UTEP fans are really smart, a- and you should just take these games for what they are. They're they're not important. Take them for what they are. See the newcomers. See the new faces. By the way, these faces haven't been able to practice at the Haskins Center that much all offseason long, so they need the experience. They need the time uh, to be on the court. I said yesterday, having uh, Tay Hardy out there for almost 30 minutes is a good thing because he needs to feel as comfortable at the Don Haskins Center as anybody else. He needs to feel like he really has that home court advantage uh, and doesn't feel like he's playing on a foreign uh, court right there there. He needs to feel comfortable at the Haskins Center as it should be. So I take all those things into consideration. That's how I look at it. I don't get t- uh, caught up in the evaluations just yet.
0: All right. Um, first impressions of David Terrell and Trey Horton, the two freshman guards.
1: So I'm most impressed by David Terrell uh, out of yesterday. And it's because I didn't think he had certain moves in his bag. Like I, I saw him at practice. I've been watching him and i tr- starting to judge him as a shooter, starting to judge him as like a mid-range sh- uh, uh, shooter as well and also trying to see can he actually get to the basket where he's scoring and maybe drawing contact. I didn't really see that in practice so much. But last night we kind of saw flashes. You know, he can create on his own. He could play very well off ball. He's uh, tenacious on defense where he actually wants to dive for loose balls and be involved in plays. David Terrell is going to play real minutes for this team this year, and they're going to rely on him in points to just be a spark plug off the bench. He's kind of a do-it-all guy. So he's going to get rebounds. He's going to pass the ball. He's going to score, uh, and he's he's just going to do uh, and make winning plays. I'm very impressed by David Terrell. I feel like for uh, their other freshman and Trey Horton, he's going to be that guy who comes along. But if he finds his three point shot, uh, then he's going to keep he's going to be hard to keep off the floor uh, for the rest of the season.
0: Got to play defense though. Uh, yes. Key with Trey Horton is defense, and one thing you know about jo- about
1: Joe if you if you can shoot the
0: ball but you can't play D, it's going to be a lot harder to earn minutes.
1: That's why I feel like David Terrell Jr. can play, I mean, because at least he's further along defensively than Trey Horton is at this point, and they kind of play different positions, so I I prefer David Terrell Jr. just based on what he's showing right now. Talk to me maybe in a year or two about uh, Trey Horton and his development.
0: The three walk-ons, two of them played. Antoine Holmes did not see the floor last night, but Garrett Levesque and Sebastian Cole did.
1: So Levesque was interesting because uh, I, people had all sorts of opinions about him thinking, no, he's, he shouldn't be playing. But take it for what it is, right? A walk-on who's giving the minutes. Uh, if he could be an energy guy off the bench and help out down low in the front court, whether it be alongside uh, their second unit like Jonathan Dosanjos and Elijah Jones, that's what he's asked to do. Plus, Garrett Levesque was playing a little bit of center last night. So they're throwing him all sorts of different places. I feel like he uh, in the past has shown that he does have a shot. He made a point in a bucket last night, and he grabbed rebounds. They're going to need some uh, guys who can grab rebounds for him in games. Uh, For Sebastian Cole, we didn't see him as much. Like I want to see more from him. Uh, He was primarily a facilitator last night, and that's evident by his three assists, so he didn't get to score the ball as much as... I want to see him. I want to see what he could do offensively to try to create his own shot in games.
0: Absolutely right.
1: Um, Let's finish it up then on one thing, and that is
0: Elijah Jones. You know, didn't play a lot of minutes, had a big impact. What do you think about Elijah?
1: He's a bigger upgrade and a better upgrade than Jamari Sibley uh, from last year. If you just take that spot specifically, the backup forward role, UTEP didn't have that last year. They relied on Calvin Solomon to play extended minutes. Zarek Onyema was playing a lot of minutes, but he at least had Kevin kalu to spell him off the bench. Solomon didn't have anybody last year, and Elijah Jones is that this year. He is somebody who can come off the bench, provide a spark, maybe even a st- uh, work his way into a starting role if the Miners can go a smaller uh, lineup with Calvin Solomon and Elijah Jones as their primary guys down low. He presents a, a lot of athleticism, and the one thing that surprised me about Elijah Jones is I didn't think he had a shot, and he does. He has a three-point jumper to him.
0: Yeah, good. So, Ken, early, early thoughts. Um,
1: we don't know how the rest of the
0: season is going to go, but for, for at least the first game, hey, uh, 120 points and winning by 49 uh, we can we can nitpick we could talk about a lot of things that we want to see first game back. We'll take it, right? We'll take We'll take a forty-nine point win and one hundred and twenty points by the miners.
1: Yeah, and uh, more things to see in two days against yeah. uh, the University of Science and Arts Center or whatever that's called.
0: So, I don't know. Yeah. It's some school in Oklahoma. That's another D three school.
1: We could play on that team. Yeah, I, I feel
0: like. I hope we can. Maybe we can. Maybe we can get some extra minutes to come off the bench.
1: All right, twenty in front of seven.
0: Uh, in front of uh, five o'clock, we got more in a moment. Stay with us. Sports talk continues. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk. 47 now past the hour. You want to get in? We'd love to hear from you. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Get you right on through to Sports Talk. 505 You can also get in uh, uh, via uh, social media. That's at 600 ESPN El Paso on social. At 600 ESPN El Paso as we continue with more here on the show. And uh, we'd love to get your thoughts and comments on anything we've talked about uh, thus far. UTEP basketball. I know some minor fans are like, oh, yeah, big deal. Hey, man, we're uh, happy to see that that things are going well. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, again, I feel like, Adrian, after football this year, I am done in the prediction business. Um, I feel like from now on, I'll just, you know, and this is... Partly our fault because we do these minor talk season previews. Have we done? Are we going to do a podcast <laughs> for basketball?
1: Uh, well, so I did one with just Joe Golding, and uh, we, we haven't done like a, a prediction podcast. Yes, yet. Uh, maybe I should just hold off on that. You know?
0: No, I'm going. I'm gonna. <laughs> you know, I'm from now on. I'm just gonna go low. I'm gonna go low on predictions. I'm gonna okay. purposely go okay. low.
1: I like that. Yeah, just set the bar low so if they, they exceed your expectations, hey, that's a good deal.
0: Like for basketball this year, I'll go 15 wins.
1: Okay, okay. All right. I feel like that's low. I feel like that is low, yes. I feel like, so the over-under is kind of right around 17, okay? Got it. So you're going a little under, but not by much. Does that count postseason wins? Does that count no. USA wins? No, just regular season okay, wins. Okay, so that's also fair, because what if they have a little bit of a stretch that's rough, and then okay. they rally back in the conference tournament win some games?
0: I could see them do that. I could see that happen. And I think from now on, when it comes to Utah football, I'm going to pick between uh, three and five or six wins a year. That's it. I can't go, can't go more than that. I learned my lesson this year. I did. I learned my lesson that until I see, until I see this program turned around for good, you can't, uh, you, you can't do that. You can't. So I feel like from now on, I got to go. I got to go low in all my predictions, and then we'll see what happens. So anyway, it's it's too bad. I still feel, uh, you know. I I I feel bad. Not that I gave anybody false hope. I don't care about that. That means nothing to me. And you know it's, and that's if you listen to me, and that's you know it's your problem, not mine. But um, I just feel like um, you know I, I misjudged the team. I, I felt bad that that's the case. Not that you know I let people on thinking it was going to be a big season. I really believed it. it. Wasn't like I was hyping UTEP. Like I believed it. So that's why I'm more upset. I'm more upset that I was wrong on the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, I mean, that's what we do, right? Like, this is what what we kind of we evaluate. We hear from coaches, we talk to players behind the scenes, and to all indications, I mean, even sometimes coaches will tell you straight up, "Hey, look, I don't know what kind of season we're gonna have." And they'll set the expectation from there. But this year we heard all behind the closed doors how exciting this football season was going to be. It wasn't just us, local media. It was national media picking uh, UTEP to be even a conference champion contender like Phil Steele did and, and Athlon Sports
0: did. Yeah, and they're good. They know what they're talking about. Those are national publications that have been around a long time. Long time. So that's, that's true. All right. Let's get back to the phones right now. Enrique is next up here on Sports Talk. Enrique, I know you want to talk some UTEP hoops. Thanks for the call. Yeah,
2: uh, Thanks, Kat, for taking the call. Uh, sure. I, w- I want to tell you before we get into basketball. Yeah. Don't beat yourself too much about it, man. Like You do a really good job. You and Adrian do really good work on calling the minors and calling UTEP sports. You guys do a good job. It's just – Yeah, but listen. All, here's, all listen,
0: it. here's the thing, Enrique. I've been doing this 28 years, 26 on this radio show. 28 total, okay? After all these years, I should know better. Like, that's what I'm saying. I should know better, man. It's just, and I'm not, I am beat myself up because I really believe that this was sp- something special. And I'm just saying that, you know, uh, I just, one of those things where, you know, maybe I was, maybe it was wishful thinking, Maybe I was just, you know, being overly optimistic and excited. Maybe I just wanted it to really happen. But that's the thing. I've been I've been at this for so many years. It's so easy to say it's going to be a terrible year. But I really, I really thought this everything was coming together for the perfect season, and it yeah, just it uh, didn't work out. I think a lot of us
2: did, though. Cap, take me. I called you telling we were going to start four and zero. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. <laughs>
2: That's, bas- that's football for you. The football guys didn't bless us this year, but good point. Right, this is a perfect transition that me and my friend always talk about with YouTube sports. Like, hey, football of let us down. Let's kind of turn our eyes into basketball. And I'm looking at the schedule. We have some pretty tough, pretty tough games against Cal and Oregon, but I did see we're going to be going up against Abilene Christian right before the Don Haskins Invitational. I think we might have a good chance on... Taking this
0: one back home. Um, I'll say this: Did you see? Uh, and maybe I don't know if you did or not. Did you? Uh, did you see what Abilene Christian did last night?
2: I did not. I was busy watching our miners on ESPN Plus.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a, well. I mean, I was hoping you'd be at the game, but I, I get it. Like I was at the Yale house, I couldn't get out there just because I was working. Um, I'll be there Thursday, but you were watching the game, so at least you were able to, uh, you know, pay attention that way. But let me clue you in on uh, on on what went down here, and that is, you know, Abilene Christian. Uh, they're going to they're going to give UTEP some trouble. Let's just put it this way: this is not going to be uh, a layup on December the seventeenth. They are a team that could very easily, um, you know, beat UTEP. It's it's not, and and you know, with uh, Joe coming back that's going to make an even bigger uh storyline than anything else and that's the schedule's not easy there are definitely tough contests all the way around and that is also uh one of those games that's that that's going to be tough i, I really think that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a, a difficult test for them in fact i got to double check the uh the final score on this one but Abilene Christian played Oklahoma State last night and beat them on the road 64 59. So they went up to oh, wow. Stillwater and beat Oak- Oklahoma State. So that is going to be a very, very good challenge for Joe Golding and company.
2: Well, now you put it that way, it's going to make for an exciting game at the Don Haskins. Looks like I got to get my tickets early now.
0: There you go. That's a good way to look at it, Enrique. Uh, actually, they're not playing at the Haskins Center. You're going to have to travel to Abilene to see that game.
2: Oh, no. That's,
0: well, part, hey. of the, that's part of the CUSA WAC Challenge. So they yeah. didn't schedule that game. They were told they're playing that game on the road.
2: Wow. Well, hopefully we get a good outcome. And, hey, hopefully for a good Christmas gift for El Paso, we get the, the Don Haskins Trophy back in El Paso where it belongs.
0: There you go. All right, good stuff. Appreciate the call. Seattle by the way, they're a ho- they that is the opponent they will be hosting. They're going to be taking on Prairie View A&M Wednesday night for their first game of the year. But man, Abilene Christian beating Oklahoma State on the road. That's a that's a huge win to start the year for them, Adrian.
1: It is. Uh you can circle that game. You can circle the following which are all ranked in the top 150 of college basketball, okay? Uh UC Santa Barbara, which we mentioned that's a week from yesterday. Cal, Loyola Marymount, uh, Oregon, Abilene Christian, and Seattle. All those teams in non-conference play are all ranked in the top 150 of college basketball right Mm
0: -hmm. now. All right. I like it. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So keep an eye on that one, folks. Hour number one coming to a close. We've got plenty more coming up in hour number two. Bernie Olivas will be dropping by as well. We'll talk to Bernie and Caden McConnell as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue, Tony, the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch with Bernie Olivas and special guest uh, picker this week, UTEP's Cade McConnell, who is going to be joining us anyway. And this is perfect. It works out great uh, that Cade's going to be picking for us, uh, UTEP quarterback Cade McConnell. But congratulations to Adrian Duran. He already took care of our trivia quiz. Are you
3: surprised, Bernie? Very surprised. I thought it would take a little bit longer than that, but... Uh... Maybe he's an Aggie. I don't know. Maybe he realizes, you know. Maybe he kept up with them. But the question was: We've had we've had one undefeated team in each one of our conferences, the ACC, the Pac-12, and the question was: What team played in the Sun Bowl, won the game, and finished the season undefeated? And the answer to that was New Mexico State. They played and won in the 1960 Sun Bowl, defeating Utah State 20 to the 13. And they finished the year eleven and zero. Love that overall and a four zero conference conference record.
0: Was your uh, that was was your brother on that team or was that before no, him?
3: It was right. That was right before him. My brother started in sixty four. Okay, so a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah.
0: that's still
3: pretty. Charlie impressive. Johnson. Charlie, that's right. Charlie okay. Johnson, charter member of Legends of the Sun Bowl. There you go. You know, won, the, won the MVP twice, 59 and 60. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Congratulations, Adrian. Way to go. And uh, that
0: leads us into our next segment, which is our, our Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. You can all play online at sunbowl.org. Every week, we get a guest picker who will pick games with us just for fun and see how he holds up with the rest of us. And this week, it happens to be UTEP quarterback Cade
4: McConnell back for the first time in a few. Few weeks. Good to see you. How are you? It's good to see you guys again. I've always getting you know a little break week in between. Um, obviously, it would be wonderful to see you guys after a win, but I haven't gotten haven't gotten that chance yet. Uh, hopefully, that'll happen soon. Well, we could have had you last week. We should have had you last week because that would have been right after the win
0: over Sam Houston State. So, uh, but unfortunately, uh, it was a, a tough game against uh, Western Kentucky. But uh, now, um, isn't it crazy to think that you're approaching like half of a season as the uh, starting quarterback for Utah?
4: You know what? It is crazy to think. You know, if you look back at you know where I was personally and where the team was at the beginning of the season and just what it looked like, and then you look to now, um, I wouldn't have thought that this is how the season would look. You know, but the chips fell kind of where they where they fell. Um, and at the same time, I also don't feel shocked or still surprised in this position. I feel it feels more normal to me than it. Does doesn't.
0: That's good, and I'm sure every game is feeling more and more like like this is just the way it, it should be playing out. Correct?
4: Yeah, every game that I play, um, you know, feels more comfortable. I feel like I gain just a little bit more maturity as as a quarterback in that. Um, obviously, you know, still very fresh, and I know I have a long way to go and a lot to learn. But with every game, I feel more comfortable. Um, I feel more in control of the game, and we're just going to continue to try to build on that through these last two games of the season.
0: What are you two and two right now as a UTEP quarterback? Uh, yes, sir. Two and two. All right, you're batting five hundred. That's good. You have a chance to try to finish with, uh, you know, a, a winning a winning record, which is what everybody wants to see. How's your social media? People leaving you alone? Are they still sliding into your DMs, uh, threatening your life, and everything else that goes on with right? The no, that Twitter was though. funny.
4: Yeah, we had talked about that um, when you know I had the highest of highs when you know after the great game against FIU and the lowest of lows um, after New Mexico State. I got it both, but people have have started to leave me alone a little bit. Um, but you know, people are going to say what they want to say. If you want to shoot me a DM, then you're going to shoot me a DM and uh, I might see it, I might not, but all that social media stuff is just noise.
0: This comes with the job. This comes with the territory. You know, you're a starting quarterback now for a college football team like UTEP here, and it's just uh, it's part of the job description, right?
4: It, it is part of the job, and that's exactly what you sign up for when you want to be a quarterback of a Division One university. Um, and I'll take all the positives and the negatives with it. Uh, it's part of the weight that you bear as a QB.
0: Bernie, he's a seasoned vet already after four games uh, with the miners. You, know,
3: you know, from the cheap seats where I sit and watching a lot of football i can i have you can see the maturity from game to game and like you've mentioned the comfortability if that's the word that you can see from game to game to game i've been watch i love watching you play now i think it's going to be great i really do well thank you
4: i really appreciate it It means a lot coming from you and hopefully there's a lot more of that where that came from you know for this university i love el paso i love utep i love playing for this school and i hope it lasts a long time we do do I. like i said
3: you know coming from a bowl side We want to see you tipping bowls every year. So good luck and uh, continued success. Thank you.
0: All right, let's get moving. Here's what we do: we pick games, we give you the game, we'll give you the uh, the point spread just for reference purposes. We don't need this; is nothing to do against the line. This is strictly picking winners, um, and again, no prizes involved. Just bragging rights more than anything else. So, Kate, I'll let you go first since you are first. uh, You're our guest this week. Here we go: two and seven, Virginia, one and four in the ACC. They're going to be traveling to number eleven, Louisville, to take on an eight and one Cardinals team. It was 5-1 and one in the ACC. It's at Cardinals Stadium in the aforementioned uh,
4: Louisville, Kentucky. And Louisville, 20-point favorites, Cade. Yeah, I think that 20-point favorite speaks a lot for itself right there. Um, to no surprise, I am going to pick Louisville here. I feel like Virginia hasn't shown me any reason as to why they can come out and upset. Louisville's looked explosive, and I think this is the best they've looked in a really long time. Louisville.
0: Uh, Jack Plummer have you had a chance
4: to watch him at all the quarterback so far this year for Louisville you know I've got to watch bits and pieces obviously it's difficult you know when you're playing and sometimes you get to catch more college football than you normally do playing on those Wednesday games that we had right um, I'd like to see more and I'm looking forward to doing that this bye week
0: by the way now that Wednesday is all said and done and you finished two and one on Wednesdays by the way, let me let me give you that let me repeat that two and one for Cade uh, on Wednesdays for UTEP what two are your road wins that's right two road wins which like never happens uh um, uh, what is your like
4: reflection on playing wednesday nights versus saturdays that's actually a really good question i'm glad you asked that because i've i've had some opinions on it and they're not all negative or positive the the negatives of it are kind of for the players like the like specifically playing you know it's it's hard to play on a Wednesday because it does mess with your school schedule and everything kind of gets turned upside down in the middle of the season but the positive of it is exactly why they do it and that's the you know national coverage I've I remember against FIU I had so many people um, that hadn't hadn't talked to me in years text me and say that you know oh I saw your game it was just on I didn't even know you guys were playing but there it was and now they were watching a UTEP game there were so many more eyes on the you know from the TV aspect of it than there was before yeah. um, but it's tough in other aspects you know it's hard for like my parents to come out to games they're teachers they teach during the week and although they took time off and then you know got substitutes and whatever and came out like it there there's aspects of it that make it difficult but the tv portion is good nice to be on espn two three weeks in a row on a wednesday right exactly I mean, you know when you, when you have people that text you and say you know what channels the game on or it's it's, it's what channels the game on and not what streaming services the yes. game on or or how is the espn plus coverage going to be and, and things like that it's much much easier for everyone one to go watch. All right. So Kate takes number
0: 13, Louisville. Bernie, what about you and our opener? I'm with Kate. It's uh I think it's a no-brainer, Louisville by a lot. Adrian.
1: Louisville, no question.
0: We are all a unanimous taking Louisville over Virginia. Game number two. Bernie, you'll start us off on this one. Clemson now five and four after their big win over Notre Dame, two and four in the ACC, hosting five and four Georgia Tech. A surprising 4-2 and in the ACC. This one is going to be at Memorial Stadium. And Clemson, more than two touchdown favorites, Bernie, 14.5 points. Yeah,
3: they had a huge win this last weekend against Notre Dame. Uh, Like I said, I think they're a big, big shot at being here in El Paso. So I am going with Clemson all right Adrian
1: I'm flipping it I'm going Georgia Tech uh they've played great over the past two weeks they upset North Carolina uh and they're gonna they're gonna beat Clemson here in this game
0: yeah I could definitely see Georgia Tech primed for an upset and uh, easily stay within the 14 and a half points but I think Clemson's jackdaw. I mean a win like that over Notre Dame can carry
4: your team a little bit so I will take the Tigers at home which brings us to Cade, your final pick I'm going to take Georgia Tech. You know, I, th- I know that Clemson has a lot of hype and momentum after their big win last week, uh, but they've had their struggles this year, and I think that might be a facade for this game. Georgia Tech's had that big win upset against UNC. Um, they got a good quarterback this year, and, and with Clemson having their struggles, I think they pulled this one out.
0: More picks in a moment. Bottom of the hour. Let's send it back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Game number three, Adrian. You'll lead us off with this one. Number twenty-one, Arizona visiting Colorado. Arizona in the top twenty-five for the first time. Six and three on the season. Four and two in the Pac-12. Kind of the opposite for for uh, Colorado. After the great start, four and five, one and five in the Pac-12. It's in Boulder, but uh, Zona ten and a half point favorites. Adrian,
1: I've wanted to quit Colorado for a while. And I'm not going to. I'm going to take the Buffs. Uh, I have no reason why. I just can't quit this team. It's like a bad drug. I can't quit them. So I'll take Colorado. I'll quit them for
0: you. Uh, Arizona just got into the top 25. They're not looking to make a quick exit. This team is playing some terrific football for a reason. They're gelling. Colorado is reeling. I don't see there being a light at the end of the tunnel. I'll take Zona on the road, Cade.
4: Yeah, I'm actually going to take Arizona as well. Obviously, they were they're a great team. You know, we played them earlier in the year. I got to see it firsthand. Um, but I also grew up and was around Noah Fafita, their starter now, uh, who backed up Jaden DeLore this year. That that kid is special. Um, I watched him play with T Mac, uh, who's number four, the wide receiver at Arizona as well. Those two guys are a duo. They are special, and I think that's the reason why they win this game. Um, Noah Fafita can get out of the pocket. He's got a laser arm, um, and I think he just ex- he he extends plays and does things different than a lot of quarterbacks can do at this level. And I think that him and Shador are going to have a showdown. Um, but not to mention, you know, Arizona has been playing great in all three phases of the game uh, and their running game has been great as well. So I just don't see Arizona slowing down right here.
3: All right, Bernie, what about you? I see them slowing down just a little bit, but I'm going to play the odds. Colorado's got to play good, well one time the rest of the year. And it's going to be this week I'm with Adrian I'm picking Colorado. Uh, that's good. Adrian, let's
0: go. Adrian
3: started clapping when you said
0: that you were seeing him slow down, but he thought then you were going to throw a curveball and say yes. not enough to beat Arizona. <laughs> so I could tell that uh, that was good. That ended up very nice, guys. All right, let's get back to it. We'll do game number 4 right now, back to the ACC, uh, North Carolina State and Wake Forest. NC State 6 and 3, 3 and 2 uh, in the league. Wake is 4 and 5, 1 and 5 in the ACC. This game will be in Winston-Salem. Uh, at uh, um, a legacy Federal Credit Union stadium. And uh, NC State, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Look, NC State, I was looking over this game. Uh, have They've won three of their last four. Their only slip-up came uh, when Duke dominated them on the road. They just... Uh, came off their last two wins against Clemson and Miami. So that being said, I don't necessarily
4: see them going and slipping in Wake. I'll take uh, NC State K to win on the road here. I'm going to take Wake Forest here. You know, this is one of those upsets I think that college football doesn't have a whole lot of explanation for. Um, I think that Wake's a good program. They got a good QB back there, and I think they pulled this one out.
3: All right, Bernie. I saw both of these teams play this last weekend. Obviously, Wake Forest against North Carolina, and of course, I saw Wake Forest beat Miami. and just in comparing both teams, I just thought NC State played better ball. I'm going. I'm going with the Wolfpack.
0: All right, NC State. It is. What about you, Burn? I mean, uh, Adrian. Go I got
1: NC State as well on the road in this game. Oh, I, them.
0: I like it. Uh, Cade's on an island this week with that Wade Forest pick. Let's see if he's right uh, when it's all said. He's so excited. He's dropping things. That's 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 good stuff. All right. So that takes us now that we've uh, finished. Let's see. One, two, three, four. One game number five. Let's get right back to the Pac, uh 12 and we'll go to our fifth game. Back to Cade, and this one is going to be number 18 Utah visiting number five Washington. Now Washington is perfect at 9-0, 6-0 in the league, Utah 7-2, 4-2 in the Pac-12, 18 versus
4: 5, it's in Seattle at Husky Stadium Washington, 9.5 point favorites. Yeah, Washington huge favorite right here, but uh, I'm living on upset island this week I'm actually going to take Utah, yes I am biased, my brother's currently goes to Utah my girlfriend's an alumni there Um, but I've watched a lot of this Ute team and with Coach Whittingham and the guys they got on their squad there's no quit in them and they're definitely, if there's a team to go upset Uh, some big opponents. I think it's going to be Utah. Bryson Barnes has done a great job stepping in while Cameron Rising hasn't been there. Um, And I think that the Utes pull this one out.
3: All right. Fair enough. Bernie, your turn. Coach Willingham's one of my favorite coaches in the country. I love him to death. But Washington is playing for something. They they they're playing to get into that CFP playoff and and they're playing at home. And I think that's going to be the difference maker, the playing at home. I'm going I'm going with the Huskies.
0: All right, Adrian, your turn.
1: Hey, uh, Utah has one of my favorite players in the country, Devon Vile, 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 how do you say it? Vale. Vale. He's awesome. He plays two ways. He's a punt return specialist and he plays receiver and and uh, I believe a little defensive back. But when you see him on the field, he's just all over the place from San Diego. I think he struggles in this one, I think Washington wins it. I just feel like, like uh, what Bernie was saying, Washington's playing, and they have a lot of purpose this year. They want to be in the CFP. Uh, I like the Huskies.
0: All right. That means we're, uh, I'll take the Huskies, too. So I'll take Washington at home against Utah, uh, and for a lot of the reasons that were mentioned uh, by Bernie, which takes us now to the ACC. The other undefeated team will be uh, hosting Miami. It's Florida State and Miami. FSU is 9-0, 7-0 in the league. Miami is 6-3, and 2-3 and in the ACC. Uh, it's at Doe Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. Bernie, uh, Florida State, 14.5-point favorites at home.
3: They want to stay in the top four as well.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going with Seminoles. All right, Adrian.
1: Yeah, I got Florida State. No question.
0: That makes three out of three. What about you, Kate? Are we going upset here too? Not this time. I'm going to stay with Florida State. All right. So we're all picking uh, that team to stay undefeated, which now jumps us back to the Pac-12. And uh, we go next to Stanford visiting number sixteen Oregon State. As far as the matchups go, Stanford's three and six, two and five in the pack. Oregon State is twelfth in the country, seven and two, four and two in the pack, twelve. It's in it's in Corvallis and Adrian. Three touchdown favorites uh, for the Beavers.
1: I got the Beavers, no question. DJU, he's playing better than he ever did at Clemson, uh, emerging and becoming his own over at Oregon State.
4: I will take Oregon State as well, which brings us back to Cade. I'm going to take Oregon State as well. I think DJ's playing great. Um, I love him. I've played against him before, you know, back in California. But they also have a one-two punch in there with their freshman quarterback, Aiden Childs, my former teammate from high school uh, before he transferred high schools. He was a freshman when I was a junior there um, and then bounced out. But love him. I'm I'm biased, I love him, love the family um, and they've actually been great, he goes in for a couple plays and it seems like he gets a touchdown every game, so Oregon State's playing uh, great in all three phases, I'm excited for them to get a big win.
3: Okay, Bernie, that leaves us with you. You know, I love Duke I love Coach Elko, he's done a tremendous job there and I used to, I, you know, Dave Cutcliffe was one of my favorite coaches of all time as well Hang, hang on, hang on,
0: we're not there yet. We're still doing, I'm sorry, we are doing, yes, you yeah. are. We are doing North Carolina. No, we're still Oregon State, right? No, we are Oregon State, Stanford, no. Bernie. Oregon State, Stanford. Oregon State. All right, that's easy enough. I
3: was All the first right. one to He's pick. He's ready to go Duke, North Carolina. I was the Carolina. first one to pick.
0: Um, you're right, but I'm picking the Duke North Carolina game next, and that means that you were the last um on this one, right? Was am I right or am I wrong on this? I'm so uh, confused. We're, we're just confused. Bernie <laughs> has thrown us for a curveball here. <laughs> we were just talking. Hang on one second. Uh your uh your former uh, teammate was at Oregon State, correct?
4: My former teammate yes. in high school right. is at- Aiden Childs backup quarterback for Oregon State oh. currently.
0: He's That's a what freshman there now. All right, Bernie, we we're, we're, were doing Oregon State, Bernie. You completely I was completely off when I heard David Cutcliffe. I go have. We got got We got to jump, but we're
3: jumping. I picked Oregon
0: State. All right, that's fair enough. So you got Oregon State. Now we'll do this. Now we'll do Duke. Duke North Carolina, and I will lead us off with this one. So let's do that real quick, and then we'll take the break. Duke is six and three, three and two in the ACC. UNC seven and two, three and two in the ACC. Um, I'm a little surprised that Duke is a 14-point underdog in Chapel Hill. I feel like this game should be a lot closer from the line. I also feel like uh, North Carolina... Uh, after destroying Campbell, they still have a bad taste in their mouth from those losses back-to-back from Virginia and Georgia Tech, and they want to make an example out of Duke. Uh, Better than the spread, but I will go North Carolina here, Cade, in the win at home over the Blue Devils. What do you think?
4: Yes, I'm going to stay with North Carolina. I think Duke's a great football team, uh, but I believe their quarterback is still hurt, and I think that has a lot to do with what the line says, so I think Drake May goes out and handles the game.
0: All right, Bernie, now let's get right back to you.
3: North Carolina North Carolina I'm just going to stop since I've messed up earlier. No 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 two no, of my no. favorite coaches you know I was Listen, at, I was on I want to hear the story I was on the field of pregame the other day yeah. and you know coach you know coach Brown was out there you know, and we didn't get a chance to talk to him pregame or whatever. He's looked at us and he came right to me and said, "Hello, gave me a big hug." Max, the greatest. Thank you for being here. He is the greatest. I'm going with North Carolina.
0: Do you realize, in all the years we've been doing these picks, that's the first time we've ever jumped a game ahead? So don't worry about it. it happens. It's no big deal. We just I I, I got confused because I started second guessing myself, and I completely lost my place. And I didn't know where we it's were right. in this contest. So all right, so North Carolina North for Carolina. Bernie. Fair enough.
1: Adrian, what about you? Yeah, four for four, North Carolina. No Riley Leonard, no pick for me with the Blue Devils. We
0: can call them the Blue Devils. Yeah, exactly. That that works for me, too. I like that. Yes, that's good stuff. All right, we have two Pac-12 games left to go. We've got 19 minutes left in the hour. We'll finish it off next as we continue here picking games with uh, Cade McConnell, the UTEP Miners, who will be sticking around with us in our 6 o'clock hour. Sports Talk continues at 600 ESPN El Paso. we go 47 past the hour. Our Chick-fil-A, Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl Selectum contest for Week 11, which you can play online at sunbowl.org. We'll go to the Pac-12 now and go back to Cade, uh, Cade, uh, McConnell with us from UTEP, uh, our celebrity guest picker this week. Uh, we'll go with this game and uh, see what you think. It's going to be number nineteen UCLA hosting Arizona State. Uh, UCLA is six and three, three and three in the Pac twelve. Arizona State is two and seven, one and five in the Pac twelve. UCLA seventeen
4: point favorites uh, in the Rose Bowl game. Okay. I think ASU's played some teams uh, well over the course of the season. I don't know if the score necessarily reflects all of that, um, but they did just come off a huge loss to Utah. I think it was fifty-five to three. Uh, UCLA has been playing well. A former opponent in the Sunset League back in high school, Ethan Garbers is playing well for UCLA right now. I'm going to go with UCLA on this one. You've got connections everywhere, don't you? I've played a lot of football, um, and there's a lot of good football down there in Southern California. So we've we've had this Texas high school, California high school debate. I just want everyone to know out there, there's a lot of lot of names. That are coming up in these pickups that have been either former teammates or or former uh, opponents. Excellent.
3: All right, uh, Bernie, uh, your turn. I agree. Arizona State just not having that type of year. They might be playing some good football right now, but UCLA is good, and I'm sticking with the Bruins.
0: Any upsets this week, Adrian, in this game?
1: No, none whatsoever. UCLA.
0: We're all unanimous, uh, picking UCLA to win at home over Arizona State. Bernie, you have got the honors for the final game of the week. It's number six, Oregon, eight and one overall, five and one in the Pac-12, hosting uh, USC, seven and three, five and two in the Pac-12. It's in
3: Eugene, and uh, Oregon, sixteen and a half point favorites uh, over uh, the Trojans. I Had to think about this one a little bit before I made a selection, but uh, then I looked up and I saw Bonex on TV right now behind you, and realized how good he was and how good they were. I am going with the Ducks. All right, Ducks, it is. Uh, what about you, Adrian? I feel
1: like I can't quit USC either. Like I saw Caleb Williams crying with his parents over the weekend, how emotional that was uh, of a moment after losing last week, realizing they're pretty much out of the mix for a New Year's Day bowl. Uh, but I got to go Oregon. How can you say no to that face right there? Bo Nix, one of the top uh, quarterbacks going to be drafted in the 2024 NFL draft.
0: Yeah, you're right. So what a season he's had. What a season Oregon's had. I'll stay, I'll take Oregon as well, delivering another uh, big win over USC,
4: which means, Cade, we end it with you. You know, this game was one of the most interesting picks for me of the week. Um, I think USC firing their defensive coordinator may shake some things up, but I don't know how you can scheme up against Oregon in a week. You know, there's been uh, players that haven't made as many plays as they should have, Um, and that doesn't change with scheme, and especially when you're going against Bo Nix and Oregon. Uh, I am going to take Oregon, but this is going to be my almost upset of the week. I like it. Uh, That takes us to tiebreaker
0: time. Total number of points that will be scored during the Utah-Washington game. I believe it's 53-and-a-half is the over-under. Cade, what about you? How many points
4: do you think total? Utah and Washington. I think it's going to be a close one. Like I had said, I picked the Utes to pull out a crazy upset in this one. I'm going to go with 59 total points. 59 for Cade. What
3: about you, Bernie? A little bit higher. I went really low last week and really bit poorly.
0: 65 for me. 65 it is. Adrian.
3: I'm going low, 45.
0: 45 for Adrian, and I will take 55. So I will take 55, and uh, that pretty much wraps up our picks uh, for this week. And good luck to everybody who plays at uh, sunbowl.org. Bernie, uh, you need to uh, make up some ground on me and, and on Adrian in a hurry. How many games do you have different than uh, yours truly this About week? two, I think. Two? Yeah. All right. Uh, you can you could do it. And that's If you go two uh, for two, you're in business. Colorado. Except
3: I normally pick with my heart, but I try to, I try to think out this time. Obviously, I pick from my heart because I'm looking to see who's going to play in, here on December 29th. But I got some room. You do. I got some
0: room. Hey, by the way, I'm excited about one thing. If I have 71 total picks right in 10 weeks, that means I'm averaging 7 a week. That's I'll yeah. take, I will take 7 out of 10 in this
4: game any day of the week. I really will. So hopefully it keeps, keeps going. Is it going to be an accomplishment if I have a good week with how many upsets I got on the table? Because I haven't done this before, so yes. that's a genuine question. Uh, yes. If you If your upsets come true
0: it will be a huge accomplishment because that means I will be losing a ton of games. And so will uh, Adrian and Bernie. So, yes, if you come up big this week, you will definitely have the last laugh.
4: Looking forward to it then.
0: I am, too. I think that will be a lot of fun. Bernie, how many games is the uh, Sun Bowl Association going out to, uh, to scout this week for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game?
3: Uh, right now, we're staying home. We've got about four to go to next weekend. Looking at the schedule today. And, you know, like I said, I m- still might go to Clemson uh, just in case. Uh, but there's some good games next weekend. I sat there with John Fulmer, you know, today and looked at everything and said, "Hey, yeah, let's go next week. We might have to go out. 3 Pack Pac-12 games next week. So, uh, but right now, I think uh, I probably will go to Clemson this weekend. If not, I'll go next weekend.
0: Okay, who's Clemson playing next weekend, by the way? I'm trying to think. uh,
3: I could tell you right now. Uh, uh, Is it North Carolina? It might be North Carolina, which I've already seen. That would be a good How many
0: teams have you seen so far?
3: Just five. Five total? Five. There's all all of them this last weekend. Okay. I saw Duke Wake Forest and then, of course, uh, North Carolina played Campbell. And then, uh, so, uh, NC State played uh, Miami, so saw five teams this weekend. Excellent. Um, Thanksgiving
0: parade right around the corner. Kate, do you ever been to the Thanksgiving parade here uh, in El Paso? I haven't. Is it something
4: I should see? Definitely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I'm unaware. New, new Newer to the area in the sense that I, I haven't known about that yet, but maybe I'll go check it out. Downtown, Thanksgiving
0: morning, Sun Bowl puts it on. And uh, Bernie, how many how many hundred thousand people do we normally get lining the streets when it's you been, add it we, all up?
3: It's between two two hundred fifty thousand. So between if the weather's good, we'll get it up to two two twenty five two fifty. If the weather's bad, we'll still hit the two hundred thousand uh, uh, person mark.
0: Point wow. is, there'll be a lot of people there. Yeah. So should be fun. Hopefully, you get a chance to check that out. Take it in. That's nice way to start the day on Thanksgiving. It would. It would. That sounds like a lot of fun, and that's a lot of people. It yeah. is a, that is a lot of people. So, all right. Well, listen. Stick around. We'll come back with our final hour with Cade uh, McConnell, Bernie. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for you your, got uh, it. For stopping by. I like the uh, college football playoff hoodie you're wearing hey, today you with the Tony that. the Tiger logo. Yeah, there you go. Very nice. That's about,
3: I'm going to meet uh, one of our administrators. Uh, we you know we have we have all of college uh, bowl games coming in here in April. I got the, our football season uh, convention here in El Paso. So we'll have 43 bowls and all their staffs coming in here next April. I love that. So uh, our, uh, our marketing guys are coming in this, in about an hour and a half. We're going to pick them up. We've got some meetings tomorrow with the convention center, with the hotels, and so other things. It would uh, be nice to have all 43 bowls coming to El Paso next week. How long mean, next a, year.
0: In April, how long will they be in town for? Uh,
3: Sunday through Wednesday. Wow. No, Sunday they leave Thursday. That's great. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: All right. We might have to do a live broadcast from out there and just do rapid fire and get all 43 bowls in one show.
3: I was going to talk to you about that. That might I be a I think it lot would be fun. great.
0: Adrian, what do you think? We could go bowl crazy on that show.
1: Oh, I'm I'm all in on this idea. I think the fact that we're getting all these representatives coming to the 915 to see yeah. El Paso and the Sun Bowl too, uh, I'm all in.
0: That might have to be a lot of that. Could be a lot of fun. I think it that, will I'm, be a lot I'm, of fun. I'm digging that. All you right. know, there's
3: a lot of guys that are really looking forward to coming to El Paso. And a lot of guys still saying, "Is it safe to go down there?" I say, they "Just come, don't worry about it. We got one of the best cities in the country here." There you go. All
0: right, Bernie. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks you for stopping it. in, Bernie Olivas. Folks, our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. Kate McConnell back with us. Final hour next at 600 ESPN El Paso. Put points on the board that just didn't work out the way they were designed to. And like I said, it's something we've seen a lot this season.
4: Yeah, you know, there's there's two sides of that coin. The first side is it's like, okay, you know, there were good things that happened, and that's why you had multiple opportunities to win the game. You know, we drove the ball down in the red zone multiple times in the first half, only came away with three points. So. It's like, okay, yeah, good you know, good, we were driving the ball, but you absolutely as an offense, you know, cannot come away with three points in the first half with those two trips down. That's not gonna win you football games. Um I you know, I felt like we really handled Western Kentucky in a lot of ways in this game. Um, and then the scoreboard was what it was and, and it's frustrating. You know, that's the other side of it is when you have so many opportunities and then don't capitalize on them and you know, and don't close the door and finish it off in the second half or take advantage as much as you should have in the first half and get off to a fast start, uh, that's when you go back and when you're watching the film, it stings a little bit. And this one definitely stung. Yeah, I mean,
0: again, you're right. When you have first and goal at, at what was about the four-yard line and, and not able to punch it in, that is difficult. And at the same time, you're down big, fans are ready to give up, and then you connect on a sixty-yard touchdown pass to Kelly Akari, which gave fans hope again, and said, "Man, here it is." It's like that's the that's that's what could drive Utah fans so crazy is that all of a sudden, just when you are ready to pack it in, something happens, and and fans are all of a sudden re-energized, thinking, "Huh, okay, this you know, big score defense could hold them right back in this football game."
4: Yeah, you know and that's and that's exactly what you when you go back and as a football player that's you know much more you know immersed in in the film and and how football works with x's and O's you you know you start looking at those things and you say how can we replicate that more how can we get more efficiency out of that and do that more often um, and you know that's your job is trying to you know learn from it and get better um, but of course it's frustrating you know and as a quarterback you know you want to be able to go and you want to be able to put the team on your shoulders and you want to be able to handle that load of a defense. You know, Western Kentucky brought a lot of different looks, a lot of different blitzes, did some very unorthodox things. And for those, you know, that are watching, you know, football on that deeper level, you know, you may be like, whoa, what are they running right here? You know, and I thought our offense handled all that stuff really well. It just came down to, you know, Could we get a couple more big plays and then finish when it was time to finish? And unfortunately, last game, we didn't do that well enough to win the football game.
1: Cade, I feel like you play, and I told you this off there, so it's nothing different, but I feel like you play at your best when things are are kind of, you feel well prepared. Like you're prepared for a drive, things are just kind of out in front of you, and you could tell as a bystander when things are just going according to the plan that you had in place. But when things kind of get all out of the the plan, like I'll, I'll take that fourth and sixth, um you know opportunity when you were down to the uh, Western Kentucky 34 yard line in the third quarter first drive out of the half uh and in kind of trying to figure out what that play would be like um my question to you is you know what when do you feel like you're at your best do you feel like you're, you're at your best when you have things in front of you or when you're seeing things better or when do you feel like after four games you're at your best right now
4: yeah I feel like I'm at my best when I'm seeing things clearly and like I said earlier on in the show I think that every game I start Start seeing things a little bit better you know obviously there's still you know mistakes and things to clean up obviously I didn't want to throw the interception that I threw um, and missed a defender in the flat route you know with a read that was happening I I didn't I didn't think that there was you know that extra defender outside and those are all things um, that I'm trying to get better at each week but you know to answer your question when I'm seeing things well and can understand what's in front of me, I feel like that's when I play at a really high level. And it doesn't always mean throwing a touchdown pass. It means getting our offense into the best position possible. And we did that a lot last game. You know, sometimes the answer isn't the 60 yard bomb, sometimes it is the run. And other times it's the pass. But that's the whole art of, you know, being a UTEP quarterback is going out there and being able to understand both sides um, you know, and and understand when when's gonna be the best, you know? And so as long as i feel prepared and i know what i'm seeing that's that's when i feel like i'm playing you know at optimal performance but you also have to be prepared for things the defenses aren't going to give you because defenses are going to make changes and they're going to try to do something that doesn't make you feel comfortable that's their entire job and so when things like that happen you have to you know a understand that it's going to happen and then b you have to either fall back on the things that you know are going to work and that that's your bread and butter and you feel comfortable with or or get into a look that's going to you know cut the defense up
0: when you get to the line of scrimmage on a play and you realize that wait a minute The play we called is just not going to work. Either by the defensive alignment or what you see coming, you can almost predict what's going to happen. How much time do you have generally on the line of scrimmage to try to audible, call a different play, and put yourself in a position to offset what they're going to throw at you and try
4: something that might work better? So the short answer to that is... Probably about three seconds. You get about three seconds to dec- you get a one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand to decide. What you're seeing, and then what you're going to get to. And the other seconds after that is, you know, communicating to everybody what's going to happen. The longer answer to that is that it depends because uh, games flow very differently. You see NFL teams break the huddle real quick. They go up, they get to the line, they do a whole cadence. They say, you know, kill, kill, or can, or whatever they're going to say. They change it to a different play. And, you know, they've been up at the line for 15 seconds. Obviously, that helps when you have a microphone in the helmet and it's faster to communicate and things like that. Um, In this last game, the with substitution. And stuff, the refs were holding me a long time from snap count. Um, So by the time the ref walked away and allowed me to snap it, we were at under 10 seconds on the clock. And then, you, want, you know, once you put your hands up and once you kind of start to see what the defense is doing and how they're rotating into a blitz or something, you're getting down to your, you know, five, four seconds. And then at times, you better be able to make a two-second check. And then the lines got to communicate all their stuff. So everything happens really fast. And that's why I've said in the past on this show that football is controlled chaos. And the teams that do that the best are going to be victorious.
0: Is it normal for a referee To allow 15 of the 25 seconds to tick off the play clock, and then allow you to finally get in position to, to 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 you know snap the football.
4: You know, in my experience of playing quarterback, refs have held at times, you know, with substitutions and stuff like that, but I felt like in this game that was longer for some reason. Me, You know, I, I when you go back and watch the – you know, a lot of things are happening very quickly in the game, and I'm not necessarily too focused on how you know long they're holding me and stuff. I'm trying to worry about, you know, do we have enough time on the play clock? Is the play good, this, that, whatever. And then when you go back and watch the film, you know, the, the play clock and everything that's happening around the field isn't on the film, so you can't watch all those things. Um, but I did feel like, you know, there was some quick snap count. And we had to get guys and get upset, you know, after the ref had been done holding us and the substitutions were made. So it did feel quicker
0: when you change the play and then execute something else. I mean, and I guess every every situation is different. Every game is different. On average. How many offensive plays would you say that a quarterback could change at the line of scrimmage based on what originally comes in versus what you then look at the defense to see what what play we should run?
4: You know, it's like you said, it's different every single game. Uh, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Florida International. You know, they didn't they gave us a lot of more base looks, so there wasn't a whole ton of checks that needed to go on. It was just if you know if I saw something and I wanted to take it, you know, I could take it, um, and then that's the polar opposite of what we got. You know, with Western Kentucky, they brought so much blitz and did different things. So, if you have a play and it's not good to blitz that side or the other way, that's what you prepare for the whole week. Okay, if they give us this, we're going to go to that. If they give you that, then we might go to this with this change. You know, and there's that's what all the variables of studying and preparing throughout the week come in. So, you know, to specifically try to answer your question, um, it can really vary from ten percent of the plays, you know, five percent of the plays, all the way up to. of the plays you know that that's just a you know very ballpark um, um, number but you know that that was the other thing that was frustrating you know about this week and and, you know why it it stung a little bit you know for me personally I felt like I prepared for this game harder than I've ever prepared for a game in my entire life you know it was the biggest game of my life so far you know it was my it was my fourth time going in our backs are up against the wall we needed another win in order to stay bowl eligible through the last two games of the season um, and then came up short so you know it's it's frustrating it stings um, but I'm also so proud of a lot of the things that we did on the field. You know, that's not it's not all negative. Um, I, I was really proud of a lot of guys, and then some other guys coming up and stepping in because uh, we did have some injuries.
0: When you look at an offense that is a predominantly a run-oriented offense, and granted, you had the touchdown to Akari, and you, you've had a chance to throw the football a little bit, though. It's interesting to me because I almost feel like your job is to be a game manager. Make the throws that count when you need to count. Take the occasional shot when you have it. But for the most part, run the offense. Don't turn it over. Because when you run the ball a lot, you're really essentially that you're, you're doing that. You're trying to manage the offense. And it's, there, there is such little room for error because you don't have a chance to get many touchdowns in the air. But you also are not supposed to throw the ball away or fumble the ball that turns it over. So turnovers, when you look at turnover margin in this offense, it's it's really tough because you don't get that many shots at throwing touchdowns via the pass. You, But at the same time, you can't throw... Interceptions, because all of a sudden, when you look at the final numbers and you thinking, "Oh wow, Kate had uh, five touchdowns to seven interceptions in six or seven games," they see the touchdown-interception ratio, they, they immediately think, "Eh, he didn't. He didn't do well." When you don't realize that this offense is not geared for passing touchdowns,
4: you know. I think, you know, what the way I think of it too is, and I and I fully understand everything you're saying, but the way I think of it is my job is to put the offense in the best position possible. And if, and if you know, what coach thinks is for us to be running the ball, which is what we're really good at down in the red zone, and then I'm going to put us in the best, you know, run check possible. And if I see a pass that's there, then, then we'll take it. Um, and if he thinks that the pass is the best thing, you know, to go to right there, then we're going to take it. But that that's that's been my mentality is we have so many great players on this offense, And and we know that because that's exactly what the hype was preseason. Right. That's exact. I don't want people to forget that narrative because it's very easy to forget, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks ago and then, you know, come to where we are today. The players on this team are really great. And. I have to be able to put them in a position to succeed. Whether that's a sixty yard touchdown to Kelly Akari or trekking into a great run that gashes Torrance Burgess or Dion for fifty yards, I don't care. You know, I just want to put us in the best position. And so, you know, you know, the, the whole touchdown to, you know, interception ratio, right, you know, that might be skewed because we, we run the ball in the red zone because that's what we've been effective at. Okay. Um, and so that's you know sometimes what people can get you know a little zoomed into.
0: Sometimes I also saw you run the ball on Saturday where you took off and 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 showed some speed and you got out of bounds and I thought to myself, wow, that's that's a different aspect of, of the game that we really haven't seen a lot from you so far in the first four contests.
4: Yeah, you know I'm not going to act like I'm a crazy dual threat quarterback and and super fast, but like I said, when things are asked upon me and the reads there and that's the right decision, you know I'm not going to fall asleep and accidentally hand off a ball that's going to get tackled by a chasing defensive end if they want to chase that running back and no one's going to get left for me, then, then we'll take the first down.
0: I'll say this. You're a lot like me. You have deceptive speed speed right. that people look at and say oh, he's not fast and I was like wow how that how that happen you know you got to get from point a to point b you got to do it and when well, people aren't expecting it that's the best
4: part i like that i like that deceptive speed we're going to stick with that one <laughs> all right we'll do that we'll
0: come back continue with more with cade uh, here with us 505-6009 that's our telephone number 505-6009 the sports talk continues let's go to charlie 1 and get this traffic update back here on sports talk as we continue 505 6009, our telephone number, 505 6009. Cade McConnell with us here uh, inside our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. I just see this question from one of our regulars, Joe Chacon, on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. And he wants me to ask you a question that I know you uh, could not answer. But I'm going to ask you to anyway, okay? Just because there's no way you're going to give an opinion that's possibly going to put your head coach in a bad spot. But I'm going to ask you the question just because here's what he wants to know, okay? I'm going to do this. Please ask Cade if he gets frustrated as much as us minor fans do when Coach Dimmel isn't ready to send a play in and has to burn a much-needed timeout On several occasions every game. Hashtag popcorn ready. Hashtag reppin' from Colorado now. Hashtag Cade is awesome. Hashtag Brock is my OG. At Adrian Brodis. How does it? Was it give you the at? Why why am I not getting tagged on this? (laughs) I'm the one asking the question. Why is it he's putting you in there and not me if Mm. I'm the one asking the question, not you? Why is that? Shame on
1: you, Joe Chacon. Shame on you. I
0: shouldn't even have asked the question. I didn't read it. I didn't read all the hashtags and and, and handles until the very end of that. Uh, that That is a disrespectful post from. You know what? I'm not reading any more Joes for the rest of the week now. Nice. after that today. I like it. He's done. Doesn't it, for the week. Does it include me on the question that I ask, which is the impossible question that Cade cannot answer and includes you and not me? What kind, what kind of stupidity is that?
1: Very disappointing, Joe Giacone. I thought you were all-inclusive, my friend. Uh, Not the case. Brock
0: might be your OG, but leaving me out is stupidity. So you are done, Joe. But go ahead if you want to uh, try to handle the, the timeout questions in general. Because it does seem like over the course of the season and in years past, when it comes to clock management and timeouts, at times UTEP can be very challenged in that aspect of it. How can we rebut that situation.
4: I don't know if I even necessarily need to rebut it, but I, what I will say is we had to use a timeout on one of the plays um, that got sent in, and it was sent in completely fine. Everything was good, um, and I mishandled the motion. I had sent a motion and then tried to move a running back, so two guys were moving in motion at the same time. The clock was running down because the ref had held the clock, and then we were getting down to three and two, and then I had to use a timeout, and I called the timeout on the field because. I had mismanaged the clock. So sometimes things aren't always as they seem. Um, It's a collective group effort, and you can always work to be better at clock management, whether it's from a quarterback standpoint, a head coach standpoint, an offensive coordinator, anybody. Um, there's always room for improvement there, and sometimes it's right on the quarterback right here.
0: Do you get chewed out pretty good when you have to burn one of the three timeouts in a half uh, and it's and you know that it's on you? Does that, does that usually come back? Uh, I'm sure you're not. It's a conversation you, you probably uh, wish you, you wouldn't have to have when you hit the sidelines.
4: Yeah, right? there's definitely conversations I, I don't want to have on the sidelines. That's one of them. Um, but I've had a lot of different coaches in my life and a lot of different chewings. I've I've had hard coaches. I've had, you know, soft talking coaches. I've had coaches that chew me on the sideline and don't and all this type of stuff. Um, and what I can say is that, you know, my sideline rapport and conversations and relationship with coach demo are amazing. So um, if I have to get chewed out once a game or if something happens like that and that's, and that's, what's going to happen, I'm all good with it.
0: Okay. And, and the truth is, is that uh, you, 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 as you said, you have played a lot of football, um, sometimes when things happen, people don't necessarily see what goes on leading up to these things happening. And that's interesting when you have two people in motion at the same time and the clock running out, and you know that you're either taking a five-yard delay. By the way, as a quarterback, what's worse, calling a timeout in a situation like that or taking a five-yard delay of game penalty? That's To me, that's, that's got to be the one penalty that would drive someone crazy. When you got to take a delay game call.
4: Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And, you know, you never want to take delay game penalties because there's a clock right up there and it counts down for you so you know exactly what's going on. And most of the time, the reason you have a delay game penalty is because, you know, the quarterback is mismanaging operations and stuff like that, and so you don't want to see that. And you also don't want to use timeouts, so... Five yards is really bad to go backwards and could be a drive killer, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on, you know, down distance situation and everything else. And using a timeout could also be detrimental later in the game. So you don't want either of those to happen.
1: Cade, you mentioned earlier uh, something about the NFL players having the microphone in their helmet. Now, I don't want to ask you about sign stealing, what's going on out in Michigan right now or what is being accused uh, for that university. But I do want to ask you, the advancement of that technology has come back uh, as far as the debate in college football do you think it'd be helpful as a quarterback to have that microphone do you think it confuses things uh do you think only one player should have it on the field or do you think no one should have it on the field right now
4: i am a very firm believer in having technology on the sidelines and the microphones being one of them and here's why at the high school level, I used to get back onto the sideline and we'd have the iPad, and the iPad would have, you know, uploaded stream of plays from the end zone shot and the side view. Really? In high school? In high school. Wow. Live time. And it was, it was legal. That's what teams did, and it was, it, there's no, you know, it's part of the rules. So we would get off. I'd go to the sideline. I'd sit with my coach. He'd say, look, this is what they just did right here. This is the look you're getting. This is how we can change it, Mm -hmm. right? In college, the only thing you get is the spotters up top and the coaches, you know, telling, hey, this is what we're getting, whatever. But, you know, for me and someone who likes to see what's going on, like I talked about, you know, just a few minutes ago, that would be a huge advantage. And it would just help offenses in general. But we're not changing, you know, it's not changing college football out of the norm from everything else that happens in high school. And that happens in the pros. You see all those guys go sit down on their Microsoft iPads yep. in the pros. You see Tom Brady, Chuck them into stuff and you see, you know, it's part of football now. So why is it not in college? I don't know. I really don't know. It's been, maybe it's just because it's how it's been. Um, you know, I found that out actually when I went to junior college, it's the same thing. Um, I don't know if the, you know, NCAA and the, you know, California junior college are, you know, abiding by the same rules necessarily. I don't know if they're for the same reasons, but, I, but I, you know, you didn't have it there and it was very different for me. Um, and then as far as the helmets and, and with the microphone, I think that the quarterback and one player on the defense, you know, whoever that may be, should get those. And the reason for that is, is because, um, you know, you see what it does in the NFL. It speeds up things, right? So you have a faster pace of play. It's a little more entertaining for people to watch, but also, you know, there's, offenses have become complex offenses have become intricate and some of the play calls you know that we have here or some of the play calls you see in the NFL are like talking in a paragraph and so when you have those things whether it's you know you have to do it on the wristband and read it off which happens sometimes or you have you know a long signaled in play I don't know what the microphone hurts right I understand it's probably takes some organization it takes people coming out and monitoring so that, you know, you can't break it. They, I heard a thing about, you know, breaking into the frequency of this so it's very secure, no one can steal it, all that type of stuff. There'd be some work to go there, but I think it only helps the sport. I don't see a negative. Yeah,
0: In terms of like the way plays have been called when you've been quarterbacking, have you ever run in an offense that uses flashcards? Because years ago, that was very popular, where some teams would come into the Sun Bowl with flashcards, big cards, and they would have combinations, and they would show them in certain combinations, and that's how the offense, especially fast offenses that like to move quickly, that's how they would send plays in.
4: Yeah, I have seen that. I remember... Seeing it with Oregon, I think, was like the first team that I saw it with on TV. Um, and I wondered how it even worked. I don't understand how the you know signal fully got in. But I have talked to some people who have been in the system, and they've kind of explained it a little bit, but I don't know it fully. But, you know, I don't see it as much anymore, but, you know, it, it definitely is fast.
1: Cade, I saw this weekend in high school. This is El Paso, by the way, so we're not talking about crazy sign stealing, but maybe some uh, worries from this uh, particular team. I won't say the team. But this team specifically, they had three coaches shield one coach who called all the plays and he was doing all the hand signals and stuff like that. I think they were very concerned about the opposing sideline or people yeah. in the stands stealing their signs. Have you seen things like that before?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that there's three guys on the sideline that signal in and then they rotate through who's the live signaler, and then the other, you know, two or however however teams do signals, whether it's, you know, someone's giving a formation, someone's giving a play, whatever teams do and how. you know we do it there's a reason there's three people out there and not just one guy to look at at one time for the entire game Mm -hmm. and it's to prevent sign stealing you know what i mean it's the equivalent of you know if a catcher just were to stand back there and raise a one up above his head for a fastball to the pitcher it would be kind of obvious you know to see what the 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 pitch is so um Things like that, you know, kind of happen sometimes, but that's why teams take measures in order to try to prevent that. All right.
0: More with Kate as we continue bottom of the hour. Let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Touch. Joe Chacon is trying damage control. Uh, he sent out a follow up with an incredible amount of personalized hashtags, uh, but unfortunately, that's that's it. I mean, Adrian, you know, we have rules here. We got that's we have right. to we have to abide by those and. Um, you know, he he did say, "Don't banish me," but yeah, and unfortunately, that's just the way things go. No forgiveness around here. No, no. Oh, for- wow, we're very, we're we're, we're very, um- stone cold. Yeah, we are. We we banish
1: people it. for a while. We and do. ban them for we, a
0: while. We we, we do. He's uh, you know, I mean, it's not like we're banning him for life. We're just the rest of the week. So it's Tuesday. I mean, it's all right. You know, we'll, we'll get back into it soon enough. He will, right? It's timeout. Yeah. That's right.
1: Timeout. He is. That's exactly
0: timeout. It's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, You get a bye week. By the way, um, here's a fair question. How banged up are you? I mean, four weeks into playing now, normally you're wearing a headset, calling in plays, with the quarterback room, you're working on keeping, uh, making sure Gavin's good to go with his, you know, for the first, few, you know, four or five games this season. Now that you've been playing the majority of the snaps, you tell me, how's your, uh, how
4: how does your body feel? All things considered, all things considered, football hurts. Football. Football hurts a lot. It's a physical game, um, but I've also had you know injuries in my career that are you know a lot worse than the banged up that I feel right now. So as much as it hurts, um, I would uh, I would definitely rather feel like this and be banged up and getting to play the sport that I love than sitting on the sideline and be feeling perfectly fine.
0: Which defense uh, made you,
4: I, I guess, made your life uh, miserable the most of the four you've played so far? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question because sometimes it's not you know. How miserable the defense. Maybe it just depends on how hard the hits hit or where they hit. You know, yes. it's always like the random ones. Um, in the Sam Houston game, when I scrambled to try to get a first down and they kind of spun me around. Uh, a little helicopter type of hit that, I remember that that one didn't hurt in the moment um, it kind of you know knocked my knocked me a little loose but uh, it didn't hurt and then the next morning I was like gosh dang this is this is rough so there's been a couple hits uh, over the course of the season FIU was pretty clean um, and then after that you know there's been a couple hits to each game but that's all part of it
0: now you say FIU was pretty clean that was the game when after your first couple touchdowns you had the brilliant idea of trying to go head first on a run instead of a base ball slide, you lost your helmet, I thought they'd almost put you into concussion protocol with the shots you took, and I'm thinking... Cade, what are you doing? You've played baseball. Take the slide. They can't hit you on
4: the slide like they can if you decide to go head first. You know, you sound like a lot of my family members and my brother who watched the game and said, uh, Cade, can you please slide or do something else? Because the only thing that looked like was slow and unathletic. So please don't do that again. And I said, all right, Bo, I got you. I got you. Do you agree after watching the film? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. My brother's always going to let me know just brutally honest. I mean, he's my my best friend in life and we've never sugarcoated anything and, and he's my biggest supporter. But but He's also my biggest critic, and he'll for sure let me know when he doesn't like something.
0: Now, one thing else I'm going to ask you about, okay? This is and this is tough: um, when to throw the ball away and when to keep holding the football as a play develops, because sometimes it'll drive someone crazy when they see a quarterback that's trying just to have somebody open up, just to throw the ball and make something happen, as opposed to just take the take the incomplete pass reset the next down not risk a big hit a fumble or something else like that easy for us to play armchair quarterbacks when we're watching a game and watching it develop but for you i mean we've i think i asked you this the last time you were here but having like an internal clock in your head and saying to yourself all right gotta throw the ball away
4: can't keep waiting for something to happen because eventually somebody's going to come and drill me Yep, and that's and that's part of knowing yourself as a quarterback, and then understanding the game. You know, if a, sometimes it's not worth the scramble and run around when the clock's running down. You know, game game clock. I'm talking about. You know, a time in the game, and you need to throw the ball away. You can't risk taking a sack. Um, and situational. But then the other side of it is you know, sometimes knowing whether or not to throw the ball away is simply just whether or not you're going to be successful. Like you don't get the, you don't get the reasons as to what you should or shouldn't do until the result of the plays over. It's like, well, if you got sacked or you didn't get very many yards, and I guess it wasn't the right decision. Um, But if you, you know, scrambled and then got around and then finally found an open guy and made a crazy, you know, ESPN top 10 type of play, then I guess you did something good. So sometimes that's a little more result based than it is, you know, strategic based.
1: So we talked about your health, Cade, but for the health of the rest of the team, and you've talked a lot about, hey, next man up mentality, and, and that's great and all. You look at the, sometimes uh, across the field, and it's like, wait a second, this guy's playing? Wait a second, this guy's playing? And not in a bad way, because most of these guys are pretty talented, but it's just, I didn't think we'd see Azizi Henry play on the offensive line, or see Otis Pitts start multiple games for this team, at least this point in their career. Maybe next year or the following, but at this point, I'm a little bit surprised to see those guys in the mix
4: yeah you know and and like you said next man up mentality but you know everybody has their set you know predictions of what the season's going to look like and who's going to be doing it and then it always gets shaken up it's never exactly what people you know thought or what the players thought was going to happen you know I didn't think that I was necessarily going to be in this position um, that I'm in right now and, and it, it, it is next man up, but you know, the, the unfortunate part is that you got, you have guys get hurt. And then the cool part is seeing people step up in ways that you didn't know that they were going to step up in, you know, as Henry stepped in there last game and he was actually graded out the top tackle uh, performance on pro football focus for this week. So he was first team all pro football focus, as far as his grade was, I mean, what an accomplishment, right? He, you know, he, he probably didn't think he was going to get thrust into that position by any means this year. He's battled, you know, some injuries in the past and, and he's worked his butt off and you know, gotten to where his body has now, and then he stepped in and did a great job. This team is like the walking wounded at this point, though.
0: They're definitely injuries have started to mount up. We know that. I mean, in the beginning, the team was healthy. And uh, there were games that uh, could have been wins that weren't going their way, but now, like everything else, it's you're you're what ten games into the season with two remaining, and uh, it is difficult when you start to see regulars going down on a regular basis. Elijah Klein in the game this past week, and just too many times we see you know really good players that have been starting for
4: multiple years, uh, suffering some tough injuries. You never want to see it. You know those are the guys that are the core of the team. You know you start with Gavin and a guy that's been here forever, and then you know has an arm injury and then you go with you know guys like Klein and just people getting banged up and especially veterans you never want to see that Um, but it is a very very tough reminder that even though football you know a lot of you know the narrative likes to be that football's soft now and all these penalties and protecting a quarterback or protecting a wide receiver over the middle you can look at you know all the injuries that happen over the course of a 12-game football season and with the amount of guys that you know get hurt on not just UTEP but every team, this game is physical. This game is really hard. It'll wear you down physically and mentally in depth. Being tough and taking care of your body is a key part of the game.
0: We'll come back. We'll wrap it up with Cade next. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso.